they said, oh, you know, this place is haunted. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard stories, like, over the, you know, last couple of years. And they said, yeah, well, it's true. We even hired an exorcist at one point. So just letting you know that I think they push the spirits downstairs, so you're lumped with them now. And I said, oh, okay, great, awesome. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. We often forget how big this big brown land of ours is. Australia may have a small population, but its landmass is extraordinary. Besides the overpopulated big cities, the country is full of small pockets of populations, often living in very different climates and conditions to others around the country. It creates some pretty special hospitality businesses that not only represent the place they are situated, but capture the identity of the people too. Amy Hamilton is the owner of Liberté in Albany at one of the most southern tips of Western Australia. Amy, how are you going? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for joining us. You're in a really unique spot in Australia and we've had a hell of a last 12 months on the planet. What's it been like in such a remote sort of area of Australia? Well, surprisingly in the last year, it's been pretty good (laughs) considering. Um, Overall, having a business in the corner of Australia has been quite challenging at times, but, you know, it's still rewarding. Tell us a bit about Albany. It's um, it's in a it's a beautiful location. It's got a pretty rich history, but um, we often just hear about Margaret River and Perth when it comes to Western Australia. Tell us a bit about the region that you're in. So the Great Southern Region is a huge region geographically. It's probably it's one of the biggest regions in WA. It has a lot of subregions within that region. So like Albany is just one. So there's also you know. Within that region, there's Denmark and the Prongarups and Franklin River and so on. So, um, and for that reason, it's actually really diverse, um, just in terms of even its climate and topography. Mm. So you get a lot of variation, like you know, within that for pro- well for produce. So, um, which makes it really interesting from a chef's perspective. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's got some really amazing you know, fruit and vegetables. It's a really epic little pocket of ocean down here as well. And um, so we have really abundant and beautiful seafood because, you know, anything coming out of the water is pretty top notch. Um, We've also got really interesting cool, cool climate wines, which I, you know, when I came to the region, I found really exciting. You're right, like Margaret River gets the big, gets a lot of focus in the press and we've mm. always tended to be like the kind of underdog, but I think that's changing now. Like we've got, you know, for many reasons, but, uh, you know, I think alone the wine in itself should be exciting enough for people to want to turn their attention away from Margaret River a little. You mentioned the differences in uh, terrain and also weather in that sort of vast region that you're in. Mm. It's summer at the moment. What's some of the produce that really stands out from both the sea and land for you at the moment of the region? Uh, oysters. So the Albany rock oyster is, uh, you know, lots of that, well, there's not lots of it right now, but that's where it comes to its forefront in summer. So we have, um, you know, that's where shellfish really tends to shine at this mm. time. Abalone, blue manna crab, rock oyster. Um, wow. Yeah. And just, you know, your usual 
veg, like a lot of really great greens and um, a lot of great aromats, like herbs, and also um, really great tomatoes. But, I mean, for me it's the shellfish. I mean, that's kind of the most exciting thing that's going. A lot of berries as well, which is kind of nice. But, yeah, the shellfish for me is what, what really stands out. WA has had pretty strict restrictions in regards to COVID and, and, and it's had a pretty relatively normal existence compared to much of the planet. What's it, what's it been like for you in Albany? Did, did COVID affect what you do as a restaurant in that region? Uh, y- yes, it did. Uh, I have to admit when it, when it first kind of hit, I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen, but I don't know. I think I've always had this like really dogged, stubborn attitude in the sense that already having a business down here was a risk, a huge risk in itself to begin with. So, you know, if I can make this restaurant work for six years uh, when most people said I was just, it was going to be a joke or, you know, I wouldn't last like, you know, you're not going to last selling Negronis and martinis and French Vietnamese food here. You know, you don't have a kid's menu, you don't have a steak sandwich, how are you going to survive? You know, I suppose, <laughs> you know, and not being legally be able to cook in my kitchen for the first two years and having to hide it. And you know, there, was, like, there was a lot of a lot of stories that came out of Liberté that people would probably be shocked at that I did in order to survive. Um, so, yeah, when COVID hit, it was just kind of like another, oh, yeah, okay, fine, like what have you got now kind of thing. So, uh, luckily for me, I think the the saving grace was the fact that I'd already had an online uh, takeaway system established called Liber Eats. So um, that allowed our whole menu to be accessed via takeaway already, which I think it would have been a bit challenging trying to set that up in the time frame if it wasn't there. So that in in itself brought a whole new kind of attention to our business that, you know, people knew it was there, but I hadn't really had the time to push it or really promote it. So when COVID hit and that got a bit of attention, that caused a whole new traction in our business that essentially wasn't even getting a lot of attention before. So, you know, for example, in the period, the year before of, you know, between March and May, which let's just say was the hardest hitting time for us for COVID, we sold about $2,000 worth of takeaway food. And this year we sold sixty in that in that time. So yeah, so that kept. I got to keep all my kitchen staff on. Essentially, I think I let like one casual person go, but he was kind of out the door anyway. And um, so yeah, they all stayed on and just got to do the takeaway purely. Like it didn't affect their hours and. Um, and then after kind of the restrictions eased and people could start coming back in the restaurant, that momentum from the takeaway continued. So <laughs> we've really been the, the busiest we've ever been. And now we have to do a booking system where we seat, uh, we do up to three sittings a night because before we'd just let one people, you know, some people come in and they can stay all night kind of thing. But um, now we actually have to, we've had to establish an online booking system that we didn't have before just to literally deal with the volume of customers. I mean, to give you an idea, the phone line must have been out in the business yesterday and it was uh, we're shut on public holidays. So <laughs> stupidly enough, I still get the calls diverting to my mobile. And I literally had calls coming through to my phone every three minutes for like all of yesterday. <laughs> 
and and that's with the online booking system. So there's just this huge demand for like the <laughs> our business at the moment. So yeah, in that sense, it's the best it's ever been. So as you mentioned earlier, you've spent the last six years building this business, and you also said that you were, people told you you were crazy to do it. Can you tell us about? the history of Liberté and also why you got involved and, and purchased it? Um, so essentially, like, to understand that question, you'd probably have to briefly understand why I'm in Albany in the first place, which itself was an accident. Um, I mean, I have talked I've, talk, I've talked about this before, but, of course, um, for people that don't know, uh, I'm a chef, well, kind of half-breed chef, I suppose. I never went to TAFE and did an apprenticeship. I did a traineeship through one of my jobs in Perth. And so, you know, I kind of fast-tracked this in two years, uh, started as a dishwasher, never even wanted to be in hospitality. I had an arts degree. I was studying at university and then kind of got disillusioned with that, needed a job, um, living at home, got a job as in the opening team of a kitchen in Perth called Must Wine Bar. And um, literally had no dishwashing experience and didn't even realise I'd need it because I was that naive, wrote a letter to Russell because I didn't have a resume really of any kind of worth and just kind of said, you know, there's no dish pile too high or too dirty for me to clean. They were my words. And he, yeah, and he, of course, just threw it in the bin because, you know, he didn't have time to read this stupid letter. And I wondered why three weeks later I hadn't got a call because, you know, I couldn't understand how, you know, I couldn't get a job washing dishes. So I would ring Russell at all different times during the day, uh, during service, uh, because I didn't know that there were service times. And finally, after ringing about 10 times, he finally um, picked up and answered me. And he said, look, Amy, you didn't get the job. And I just said, why not? <laughs> and he said it was that kind of, you know, me questioning him that made him think, okay, fine, I'll give you a go. So he got me in, I walked in and I just instantly thought, this is for me. This is the environment I want to be in. All these, you know, this night, the nightlife, the, I don't know, the kind of, <laughs> the, <clears throat> the world of vagabonds and fringe dwellers and high <laughs> deviants, you know. And also, as someone that loves creating things, it satisfied that urge in me as well. And not only was I doing an art degree, I also wanted to be an art teacher. So in some ways, the whole element of cooking satisfied both of those urges for me. So, um, yeah, uni went on the back burner, did this traineeship, um, cutting to short, long story short, ended up travelling around Australia, cooking around Australia, you know, and nowhere really of note, just like, you know, a lot of kind of weird little places and worked in Melbourne for like, you know, half a year, a year, got pretty burnt out, was coming back home in our, my camper van that I travelled around with my, you know, we travelled around with my ex-partner and basically wanted to quickly visit his mum in Albany and uh, 10 years later, <laughs> I'm still here. So, yeah, never made it back to Perth. Wasn't that excited about going back to Perth, but at the time, and Albany just was beautiful. And I just remember thinking, this is so inspiring for, a, you know, someone that likes food and wine. And I wanted to kind of, you know, we're at that point in our relationship where, you know, I was thinking, we're thinking about kids, you know, I never wanted to have kids, but then suddenly something kind of went off inside of me. And so for that reason, kind of settled into Albany, had two children, and then, yeah, here I am. And I suppose living in a place like Albany or also just being 
don't know, for me as a chef in general and with the potential capacity to be a mother, <clears throat> there's something in me that goes, I need to be able to dictate my own roster because I'm never going to be able to be, and so now I'm a single single mother, um, how am I going to look after two kids if I'm always working for someone else in a kitchen? It's impossible, you know, with the hours. And so I finished my two degrees just so I had them behind me if, you know, I decided cooking was all too hard. But essentially I got to the point where I'd run a kitchen down here and I thought I wanted to be able to cook my food and I also want to be able to dictate my own roster. So Liberté was a business that had opened in 2007. And so the name was established and essentially the look of the business is already established. It's this heritage building on Stirling Terrace in Albany. The original building was built in 1852. Some say, so, yeah, some say it is the first licensed bar in WA. Yeah, so it's it's got an amazing history. People come from all over the world to see it because it's also in a lot of journals haunted. So we have like psychics and, um, um, you know, the guys that, um, you know, study kind of all that kind of, you know, uh, yeah, basically haunted things. Like they come and have a look and there's a big history about it written in the uh, in the library. In fact, I've got some pretty crazy haunted stories myself and my bar manager who was with me for six years too. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of crazy energy at this building. And I always remember when Liberté opened, um, I was, you know, hadn't been in Albany that long, actually a few months. And I just remember thinking, wow, this, this building is amazing. This business is amazing. And the people that owned it before, she had one of the partners had a really great design eye. And so although it's this like turn of the century, you know, building, she had re-decorated the interior with this Parisian Baroque kind of look, you know, like lots of kind of velvet, like red, deep burgundy curtains and gold and just it was amazing. And so that kind of part of the business is already done for me. But when, you know, Liberté went on sale – Oh, like a couple of years after they bought it. And I just remember thinking like at the time, like I could never take on something like that because it just seemed too big and grand kind of thing. But when it came for me to kind of really decide to buy a business, there was that business still available. It had been on the market for three years and there was this other one which I thought was far more approachable and I was going to do a whole different concept with. But I just, it <laughs> just ended up being Liberté. And I just thought, you know, I remember getting the keys and sitting in the front bar all on my own and it's, you know, it's like a big building. And I just thought, what have I done? <laughs> but it's kind of like, I suppose, having a baby. It's like when you have a baby, your first baby, you think, oh, shit, what have I done <laughs> when you're sitting here in the hospital with it? And it's kind of like one of those things that, you know, six months later, a year later, it just becomes part of you and you don't even though it's hard at times and joyful at times, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you just end up coping, I think. So, yeah, so six years later I've got this business and I can't, you know, to be honest, like I, ne I knew that I was never going to be a great business mind. <laughs> um, I thought I'll probably just be able to make it work. Um, and I think I've done that. 
um, I think a lot of businesses have closed sooner. So I'm always surprised when I've been open this long. It's definitely been a really interesting journey. <laughs> Can't take it back. A, a lot of restaurateurs probably have businesses that haunt them for the rest of their time, but being in a venue that is, is supposedly haunted, is, is it haunted? Do you have any stories you can tell? Yeah, I do have stories I can tell. Um, so <laughs> I, I was in court, <laughs> um, like in probably in the first couple of years of owning the business. And for example, uh, when I was in the first few weeks of having the business, there's a backpackers upstairs and they had come down and talked to me when they'd heard that I was getting the place and they wanted to tell me some stories of their own. So, um, you know, and they'd told me a couple of stories, how there's a room upstairs, it's like room 11 in the backpackers that they've never been able to open because at night time you can hear things from that room and things get moved around. And I said, oh, okay, cool. And it was probably like the first few weeks I remember being in the office, what we have made the office at Liberté, and I could feel this kind of, energy rushing at me and now I'm not someone that is actually you know like I don't know I don't I'm not overly kind of I'm not gonna what's the word um superstitious or whatever I just I'm open-minded for sure and so anyway I was in the office and I felt like this energy kind of rushing at me it was um it was really weird and I thought, oh, I wonder if this is like what – I wonder if this is it, if this is the thing that <laughs> – and I remember an episode of Sex in the City where um, Samantha at one point had a similar experience and she was giving advice, I think, and she said, you just have to confront the spirit, confront it and let it know that you're there and then, you know, then – and then you'll be okay. And so after a couple of nights of being in the venue on my own and kind of feeling a little unsettled about this kind of presence that I kept feeling – I remember looking up at the ceiling and I said, listen, I don't know who you are, but obviously you've been here a long time and you're a little upset that I'm here. I get it. You're probably a bit territorial. All I'm saying is I'm going to try and stay here as long as possible. So if we could get along, I'm not asking you to leave. I'm just saying I'm, I'm just going to probably be here too. And if we could share that space, that would be really awesome. And so that, that was, and after that, I swear the energy completely changed. My bar manager used to see, she sees in the reflection of the mirrors at Liberté, like she'll see a, um, a person walking. So she mm-hmm. sees like a dark kind of outline and I'll see that too. I'll be like in the kitchen and all of a sudden in the corner of my eye, I see like an outline, like a shadow. And it looks like they're kind of wearing a top hat. And when I was at court a couple of years later, one of the women that worked in uh, this victim support that I was visiting, she said to me, oh, so you own Liberté now? And I'm like, yep. She's like, I used to own it 20 years ago. And I went, oh, okay. She went, do you see the ghost? And I said, I might do. She said, what does it look like? What does it look like to you? Is it a guy or a girl? And I said, I think it's a a man. She went with a top hat and I said, yep. Yeah, so that was crazy because she said that, you know, she'd had this exact same experience. So, yeah, little things like that all the time happen. Yeah. How do you deal with people coming from all over the world to check out this venue that's potentially haunted while you're trying to run a restaurant and feed people? (laughs) Um, I don't really, I don't really mind. I mean, it's funny too, because customers, I've heard, I've heard customers say things 
So apparently the story is that we have this huge grand staircase that you see when you walk into the building that goes upstairs to the backpackers. And the story is on this staircase, that's where the guy got shot. So there was a bar fight and someone got shot on the staircase. Now, I don't know if this is the guy that hangs around Liberté, but a customer came in and I remember being in the office, which is kind of tucked under the staircase, and I heard her go, oh. And I went out the back and sat there with my bar manager and they, this, these customers were on the other side of a screen in the back area, where we ever, the ballroom we call it, and I heard this woman say, can you, did you guys feel something when we walked past the staircase then? Oh, I felt something so eerie. Oh, you know, like she had definitely seen or felt something and her friends were oblivious, you know, but yeah, I don't know. Weird things happen like that all the time. It's just, I suppose I've just, I normalize it now. It's just kind of Liberté. It's, Liberté is just, it's a crazy kind of magical <laughs> place really. Well, speaking of energy and experience, as you mentioned earlier, that was what drew you to the industry what, what do you love about running your own venue and having that ability to create your own food um i suppose i've always been a risk taker uh in and in my past it's probably been for the wrong reason but um i kind of like i suppose inevitably i there's an element of running my own business that excites me um and also that i have the ability as well to handle um, like risky situations or quite well. So that's kind of, I suppose, a big element. But also I suppose I like, essentially the reason I got into hospitality is because I, I like the people in hospitality. I love, um, and I also love the act of cooking for people. I, I love the gesture of cooking. Um, so when you get to do that on a bigger scale and people re- receive and enjoy your food and they start to have their own personal experiences in your restaurant and make memories and social history, I suppose that in itself is really rewarding. Um, also, my whole career was was really built on a second chance, like when I'd got my job at must wine bar there was a time I had to leave and go somewhere else for a while and um you know I my boss asked me to come back when I think a lot of bosses never would have and it was that second chance that like really um like made me want to you know not fail and not fail him and to really work hard towards a goal and so I had that opportunity in Liberté with my staff is that my whole kitchen team are unqualified. I don't have any qualified chefs, um, which is crazy because we've got two hats and and we've achieved so bar of the year from Gourmet Traveller in 2019 and, um, you know, and they're all promoted dishwashers, which is essentially what I was, <laughs> which is what I am. So, you know, and these a lot of these people in my kitchen are people that have been, you know, fired or they've had a rough start. And you know, I've I see sometimes it can be to my um, it's not hasn't been a good thing in my personal life, but um, my private life. But I often will try and I see the good in people. I, I I see their potential, and I think with the kitchen, I've you know I've given people opportunities where others wouldn't, and it's amazing watching these people how they thrive. 
and how they've, you know, because they've essentially they're good people with good work ethics and that's all I need. You know, I can teach people. And as, as long as you like food, if you don't like food, I can't, I, I can't do anything with you. But if you love food and you love working in hospitality, then I can do, I feel like I can do anything. I can, you know, we can achieve anything and we, you know, we've achieved amazing things. You know, the guys in my kitchen were <laughs> shorts. It's a closed kitchen. I don't know what I'd do if it was open because it's pretty crazy. But, you know, like it's just people get shocked sometimes. I walk in and be like, these dudes in shorts. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't stop them. <laughs> you know, I'm just happy they're wearing an apron. <laughs> it's just, you know, so it's a really, uh, yeah, it's, it's a strange little family we've got, but we've, yeah, we've really achieved a lot. And I suppose that's, and, and just the fact that people have, you know, taken on liking the kind of food I'm doing. Like I've worked in businesses before and, you know, I've been a head chef in a business in Albany before and, you know, I've, you know, I've had to do their concept, which was, you know, that, I get it. Like that's their business. And you know, I still believe I can cook anything with integrity um, even if it's just not something I would choose. But Liberté was the first time I really got to take a risk and do my own food. And really to do a French-Vietnamese kind of take on, you know, in Albany is pretty risky because literally at the time I opened, every venue just had like steak sandwich, burger, and, you know, it, all the Asian food was just that Western Chinese, like, you know, uh, sweet and sour pork. So for me to start doing things like barn sows and, you know, steak fritz with fried shallot butter and watercress with not charm and, you know, steak tartare with a quail's egg and a fried rice cracker and stuff like that, you know, things like that, you know, uh, shoe pastry. We've got a dessert that's like made with, we make a shoe paste and not how you would normally bake it. We deep fry it. So we have these deep fried shoe pastry balls that we cut in half. We fill with the, um, a Vietnamese coffee ice cream. So we literally take like kind of tacky store-bought vanilla ice cream because I didn't have room for a, or money for an ice cream maker. So I was like, how do I make ice cream that basically if you ate it or if John Leslie ate it, you know, or, or if my mum ate it, um, they would go, this is amazing. <laughs> Did they? They must have made this. But so it's like Peter's ice cream that we put into like a, you know, a, a big a food processor or a, you know, a mixer and then we mix in proper espresso and then Viet, uh, and then condensed milk. And the condensed milk does this amazing thing to the store-bought ice cream. It kind of makes it taste, you know, silky and beautiful. And then, of course, yeah, so then we refreeze it. And then it just becomes this thing on its own. And so we fill the shoe puff with this ice cream, douse it in ganache, uh, and then toasted hazelnuts and pistachios. So, you know, it's kind of really great when people can enjoy those things that we've created. <laughs> the last year, is, for many in the hospitality industry, has been about change. And you mentioned how important a second chance was for you with your career. What sort of advice would you have for those that, you know, might need a change or need a second chance in the industry from your experience? Um, so for me, my second chance was about drugs. I had a drug problem when I was, you know, 20. Um, and I, I know that I, I only say that too, because I realize that in the industry, that's probably a big reason why people need most of the time need a kind of second chance. Um, so I don't know. I think it's kind of to be, in my life, I've had to really, in order for me to succeed and get on and not be embarrassed or shamed out to the point of, you know, hiding 
in my life, I've had to get to the point where you have to be brave enough to have people hate you or or to basically you have to realise you can't control what others think. You can only control how you react. And I think a big part of me being able to get that second chance was just to be honest. Like, I mean, I obviously wasn't honest in the beginning about it and then it kind of got exposed and made honest when my mum rang up my head chef and had a meltdown saying I was never coming back in because I was a drug addict. And um, so that kind of brought it all to the table. But it was the honesty from that day forward because I just respected my boss so much that I couldn't believe that my mum had done that and I was just mortified that I hadn't said it to him myself. So I made, I came in and in person and sat down with him on a milk crate in the alleyway, you know, at the back of the restaurant. And that's when he said to me, look, Amy, I've got two hats to wear. One is your boss and one is your friend. And like, I, I really have a lot of faith in you and I want you to go away and get better and we'll hold your job, you know? And so like, it was that kind of frankness and that conversation that just made all the difference really. Um, and I think to anyone else that's having a problem and needs a second chance, you know, you just you just have to bear your soul a little bit, I think, because I think most people in hospitality will understand it to a degree. But you then, you know, you then have to really make a commitment. Like I think, you know, hospitality is all about commitment and about um, – sometimes working out of your comfort zone. So, you know, for me, I was, I came back with a fire in my belly kind of thing and I didn't want to disappoint. So, yeah, I think it's a lot about just being, you know, open and honest and then, you know, a certain level of, yeah, you have to just commit and work hard to, like, make people trust you, I think. Well, uh, your commitment to... Uh, your industry and also to the region that you're in has resulted in a you know multi award winning establishment and a renowned venue and, and it's in such a remote location in Australia. What, what's what's the next couple of years look like for you with Liberté? Um, yeah, I get asked that a lot. Um, sometimes I feel bad because I don't know. <laughs> um, I suppose as as a per- I mean. You know, the food always evolves, the the booze always evolves, the people always evolve within the business. I suppose, like, for me, I've always, like, done something, even if it's just something on a prep list and I've, you know, made it and I thought the next – I've said to myself, I'm going to work out how to do that quicker tomorrow and better. So I always set these little personal challenges in my head of how I could streamline what I'm doing to be more efficient and, be, you know, more, you know. And so I suppose if that's in the biggest sense of the business, that's always what I'm trying to do. Like, I've, you know, I've run things, like, behind the scenes probably a bit shit the last, <laughs> you know, if, if someone that – say is amazing at running a business from a you know a business level would just to look at me they'd probably go oh god what a man how have you even survived I don't know to be honest. I don't know I think my accountant's probably having he's probably had many nervous breakdowns um so I suppose like uh, I'm always trying to streamline and work out how I could run the business better and to be honest I think that will probably take up the next two years because you know, I'm implementing things after COVID because I've also had the financial freedom to that's allowing me to, like, push the business forward in many aspects and just redo it. I mean, you have to remember it's a heritage building. It is falling apart. So, like, you know, that in itself is a challenge and I haven't had really the room to move financially to make these changes. So, really, I just want to streamline the way the business runs um, more and more. And just, you know, I don't know, just like redo the bar and 
nothing major, to be honest. Just <laughs> just want to keep it going. I in some I had to be I have to be honest. I to I, if I was asked this question probably a year ago, I'd probably say, oh, you know, I don't know. I think I want to kind of wind. Maybe I wanted to wind it up, and then I often like hear people say. Well, the locals would uh, would die. They've already told me that I'm staying open forever and I'm never going anywhere. And they're so proud to be able to say to people that come from Sydney and Melbourne and London and wherever that, that there's Liberté to eat at. And they're like, we're so proud that, you know, we love it when people from out of town come here now because we can say to go to Liberté with such, you know, confidence in our heart. And so that's oh, a hard one. <laughs> it's a hard one, you know, like you don't want to take that away from people, but you know, also you have to look after yourself if you're burning out. And, um, but you know, I don't know. I feel okay at the moment. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think, I think Liberté still has some things to say, put it that way. Well, we've absolutely loved what you've had to say today as uh, an, an absolute honor to talk to you, Amy, on deep in the weeds, please keep in touch and uh, we'll talk again soon. No problem. Thank you. This is the deep in the weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>